So yeah, this is part two of my conversation with the wonderful Ian Lane. Um, if you haven't heard part one yet, click down and listen to that bad boy and then come back and listen to this. Good. What was I talking about? You were talking about moving to London to do? Yeah, I moved to work as a, uh, a salesman. A salesman? I love yeah, how you had salesman. to... A <laughs> Yeah, I, I couldn't remember what the sales representative, sales agent... Sounds about right. Yeah, uh, for the power industry. Yeah, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Shit. I lasted two weeks. <laughs> Sorry, what? How did... Well, I can't sell for shit. No. <laughs> okay. okay. I don't even know why I thought... Well, I mean, it seemed like a get-out at the yeah. time. Like, and a friend of mine who I, I used to work with at W.H. Smith, um, he uh, he phoned me out of the blue saying he was working at this... So, like, it was a bad line. I couldn't understand half what he said. But okay. um, it sounded like an opportunity. So yeah. I was like, yeah, fine. Um, and I assumed that if he thought I could do it, I could do it. Yeah. And I've never trusted him since. Oh, fair enough. You still talk to this person? Yeah. Uh, okay. well, well, very sporadically. Yeah. I, um, I met, yeah, I met with him last year. Actually. Oh, nice. Uh, just on a yearly basis. On just... a yearly basis. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, I'll forgive him. <laughs> then it'll be like twice a year. So you are fired from this power place and then... Um, no, I wasn't. Well, I, I probably would have been fired, but actually oh. I, I walked out. Oh. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around it. So basically, what what I had to do is I was supposed to be selling advertising space. Okay. Um, now I assumed, or, but, um, <laughs> uh, and I would assume this in every job I do. I don't know why I haven't learned by this point, but um, I assumed that there was some special kind of sales training process that mm. you go through, sort of like like sales camp. Yeah. Um, where you would go through this kind of rigorous educational scheme and by the end of it you would know how to sell. And then you would be put on the phone. And actually that's not what they do. Like any sort of call centre job, they put you on the phones long before you are ready oh. <laughs> to do anything like I that. I mean well, I mean because why would they prepare you? Why would, yeah. they, why would they want to train you up exactly. to talk to people? Why exactly. They... So they put me on the phones um, before I had any real idea what the product was, Okay. what the different benefits of the product were. Fantastic. Um, why we needed the products, all that kind of stuff. But there was a script, hmm. like a, a, a book with a bunch of scripted epithets that you could kind of is epithets the right word I don't know I don't, I, think I get a bit Russell Brand every now and then I think I just chuck out long words without me I'll take it I don't know what epithet, I don't know what epithet means so I can, yeah I'll take it yeah I don't know uh, maybe I'm getting mixed up with epitaph I think that's why yeah I, I certainly wasn't reading people's gravestones <laughs> but um, um, anyway so my job is to uh, phone up all these different uh, power industry like tycoons uh, and and try to get through to them basically. Okay. Like, uh, you know, people with some influence and clout. 
And uh, to do that, you have to get past um, an obstacle known as their PA. Oh, okay. Um, the vast majority of which are very well trained to stop stupid-ass coals like mine from getting through to people who don't have time to deal with. I like to think as PAs or agents as the first like the first boss on oh. a video game. Yes. And um, there were a few suggestions in this sales manual as to how to deal with them. Um, the first thing at first is you cannot tell them that it is a sales call. Okay. Under no circumstances can you tell them it's a sales call because if you tell them it's a sales call, you won't get through. Um, the problem, however, is <laughs> what do you tell them? <laughs> and the, the manual was quite sketchy about that. I think they, okay. they, they sort of, I think they generally suggested that you try and try and present it as a meeting that you yeah. have with your with, with their boss. So basically live meeting. Yeah, and they'd, they'd look through the diary and obviously they'd see, well, no, he hasn't got this meeting scheduled yeah. in here. Um, uh, so there's a lot of faffing around like that that you would do. I don't remember actually, like, um, and uh, the, the other the other thing is um, the, other, the other technique it said in the manual was if you have a really militant receptionist who won't let you through, uh, just call back later when they've gone. <laughs> and maybe the next receptionist will be more uh, forgiving. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, it pretty much was forgiveness. <laughs> um, but I remember I did try, yeah, so I ended up trying that a fair bit and um, often got through to exactly the same receptionist who seemed to be on a triple shift. Oh, and um, I remember one of them at one point just said to me, that, Are you bored? <laughs> so, yes, I'm bored with your failures to cooperate. <laughs> um, didn't actually say that. No. But wouldn't it have been great? Yeah, that would have. Wouldn't it have been great? That, that phone call would have ended three seconds earlier. <laughs> so, um, so that was it, so, basically. And then uh, I think I got through to maybe like two or three CEOs or general managers or whatever they were. Um, and, uh, and the problem is, when you get there, you're kind of like, what do I do now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know, this wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you, when you go to try and meet uh, a celebrity who yeah. you've uh, idealised your entire life, and you meet them and you just choke up. You kind of like, go, hi, <laughs> love your work. Hi, Claire from Steps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hello, Nigel Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and um, the. Uh, the straw that broke the camel's back in that job was um, I was speaking to one of the CEOs. Yeah. And uh, I'm rattling off this stuff from the script. Yeah. And it's not landing. And I'm starting to croak a little bit. And uh, my manager is sort of listening in on the oh, on the phone as well. Right? So I got the headset on and he picks up the phone and he's listening in. Do you know this at this point? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. He, he does that with everyone, basically. Like when he when he senses there might be in sniffing distance of a sale, sometimes yeah. he would kind of be there as backup. Yeah. Unfortunately, the problem was his idea of backup was to dictate lines to you. Oh fuck! So you he would say, um, you know, 
I'm offering you this particular thing, and then you'd have to say, I'm offering you this particular thing. And, and, and there would always be this pause. Yeah. Because he could only feed you so much in one go. Yeah. So he'd say a thing, and you'd say a thing, then he'd say the next thing, then you'd say the next thing. And, um, oh, well, I'm just completely carpeted there. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you know um, uh, I'm autistic. Yeah. I didn't know this at the time. This has only been a recent discovery a couple of years ago. But, um, Certain sensory situations I find problematic. Yeah. And uh, and something like that where I'm trying to figure out the trying to figure out the perception of someone who is talking to them with a really clipped, staggered yeah. <laughs> delivery, and how I'm supposed to make this sound like a natural conversation to this person. Um, and I couldn't basically my, yeah. my brain just went you know rather static came in and I just um, made my excuses hung up and, uh, and collapsed in a ball nice that's, um, uh, well not nice that's horrible <laughs> well no no it was, it, was, it was a little ball it was like the ball that you would have <laughs> you know like when you just lean on the desk lean rather on the, than lean on the, okay lean on the desk it wasn't like a full fetal position kind of thing yeah um, no not that no. I saved that till I got home oh yeah so, yeah. What I like to do at work sometimes is just like find a brick wall, but I genuinely just hit my head against it. That's it. Then once I can go back on my day. I've um yeah I've done stuff like that in the past. Like how how did you do it? Did you do it just once when you hit your head? Just like once, yeah. Just be like, and I say to someone who was like, can I bang my head against it? Can is a brick a brick wall about my head? And it's on that's right up right there. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I see this. Maybe that's where I've been going wrong. Like, <laughs> I, because uh, I, yeah, I think I, I've headbutted a lot of surfaces in my yeah. time, uh, but I always feel like I did the first one, and then like feels like these come in fives. <laughs> so I just have to keep doing it, um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it's like okay. Now that you've agreed, to, now that I've said this, and. Yeah. Um, you, you know, as a joke, said, oh, there's a wall over there. It's now socially acceptable for me to do the same thing that I was going to do. I guess, uh, yeah, I think also maybe if like, we'd agreed certain walls in yeah. advance. So that's the, that's the aspect of admin I forgot to yeah. <laughs> do with these people. Um, sales environments are just toxic. I don't know if you've ever been in one. But I've like, never been in one. I've never been in one. Thanks, they're, they're horrendous. Like, they're kind of like... They're, because a lot of it's commission based yeah. as well, so there's this, this um, intense atmosphere of like uh, push, 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 getting as many sales as you can. And also, a lot of sales people don't care that much about how accurately they sell the product because the moment that you've sold it, uh, the vast majority of the time you're no longer culpable. Yeah. So that's because that's why all these different companies have a separate customer service department mm. <laughs> from their sales department yeah so the sales people could just do their job um on a something or other mm. <laughs> you know the word yeah. unabri- unabridged 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 is it unabridged well unabridged is the thing unaffected unabridged yeah. is where it's unedited isn't that is that what it is or is it like um yeah i guess they weren't that that, that edited so maybe that is correct because yeah. i'm just going by like the audible definite because you know the audible app has audiobooks which are abridged and unabridged so i have this problem with like my um the, the way that i talk uh <laughs> as, 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 as already come across several times i think in this podcast not at all but uh, well, yeah, I mean, 
Damn it, Ruben, you, you could have edited them all out now. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, but like, and this is the thing where like, sometimes the word I need just blanks. And the frustrating thing is, I feel like if I was allowed to just do the whole sentence, then people could look at it yeah. and they could see what I meant. Yeah. Um, but you can't do that with spoken stuff. No. Like, and it actually feels like a struggle to do it with like when I type a sentence on like DM or something like that. And I'll, I'll, I'll try and say, <laughs> put square brackets, not sure this works, <laughs> close square brackets. And then I, I, I hope yeah. on the occasions I've done that, that the other person will look at that and they'll think, yeah, okay, I've got an idea of what he was trying to say there. Is it this word? And they never fucking do. No. Like they just sort of like, I'm lucky if I get any response whatsoever. <laughs> maybe they'll give me some question marks, yeah. or maybe they'll be like, I don't know what you're trying to say. Smiley face. Um, but it's like, can we all just help each other out a bit more? <laughs> you know, can we all just accept the fact that, like, some people don't construct their sentences from start to finish? No. Some people start in the middle, some people start at the end. Yeah, um, but, but due, like to the the linear, due to the linear structure of time. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have to deliver them <laughs> as a work in progress. <laughs> How did you find doing Edinburgh this year or last year? Um, it, was a, it was an interesting one. Um, I agree. I, uh, okay, why, why do you find it interesting? I found it. Like, I know you asked her. Would you like something else? Because I'm closing soon. Uh, no, I'm fine. Um, yeah, can I have another one of these, please? Uh, so salted caramel with oat milk. Salted caramel with hot chocolate. Can I just get a tap water, please? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. She asked what time. What time do Did we... Should we one as well? Uh, yes, please. What time do we actually have to leave? It goes at five, but you can... If you want to get a dress for the... Yeah, okay, cool. Oh, we'll be recording a podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. No. Oh, thank you. That'll be it. <laughs> Saved you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it if you kept that. Eh? <laughs> Negotiation <laughs> podcast. <laughs> thank Salted you. caramel, oat milk. Thank you. Yeah. Should I come over and pay for there or? Whenever you, whenever you feel like, or whatever, whenever, whenever works for you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> That's, that's definitely not getting it. No, no, no. Um, Ian's customer service skills. Oh, <laughs> uh, so anyway. yeah, yeah, for me, it was it was the best because it was my first one, mm. right? It was the best. It was the best learning experience for me. Well, it also technically be your worst one then, wouldn't it? If yeah. it's your only one. Yeah. And your most media, mediocre. Yeah, one. it was <laughs> be my best. All of the adjectives. Yeah, literally. Um, especially in the venue that I was at, because it's not built for comedy at all. What was your venue? Jocket Murphy's. Oh, I know that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Jocket Murphy's is a weird layout. Weird layout. But it's doable. It is doable. Mm. But the same, uh, it's not built for comedy, but it is, it is doable. Yeah. Um, but what I will say about it is... I can now feel once I'm actually on the stage, I'm now comfortable performing in any size room now at this point. Any oh, size room. Yeah, room. you're ready for the O2. Oh yeah, pocket, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't really count those as rooms, but yeah, no, <laughs> uh, 
that sounds like what my nan used to say about hip hop. Like, <laughs> that is music. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's like no, that doesn't. You can't just redefine things. Um, <laughs> yes, but yeah, I I feel com- I can feel comfortable on stage in any room, even if I'm not doing well. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah. well, that's, that's a good skill to have. Yeah. If it is a skill. I don't know. It's, it's a feeling. Yeah, it's a good feeling. Yeah. And I think I can kind of now look to different areas of the room to bring audience members in, <laughs> which is something I don't think I could really do before because when you've just got a row of, 20, of like five people in the front row right. and then not much else. Yeah, that's where you're performing too. You're not performing to the audience back home. And Jockey Murphy's, you've got people in the booth at like the upper end of the room. You've got people in the middle. You've got people on the side, on the side, to the side of you. You've got the bartenders who are still working when you're when you're when you're performing. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on, and you just you just learn to be okay in the moment. Yeah, I used to be better at that. Ah. I, um, I, I think. Uh, I think there came a point when I realised that too much stimulus in the room could. Uh, thank you. I think there came a point when I realised that too much stimulus in the room could end up being a bit of a lottery with me. Oh yeah. Like there were times when I could really make it work mm. fantastically well, but there were also times when it could drive me to the absolute pitch yeah. of despair. Yeah. And. Um, and it's at the point now where I'm like, I don't know if if it's worth risking those anymore. You know, yeah. like I, I, these days I try and uh, book venues that are as focused towards comedy as possible. As yeah. possible. Yeah. Like I have a thing now where um, whenever I see new gigs advertised yeah. on forums like the Comedy Collective, Facebook Comedy Forum, all those kind of things. Um, first thing I do before I apply for them is I Google the venue and I check if they've got a separate function venue. Yeah. And um, if I can't see any evidence whatsoever that they do, I mean, usually a good sign is they haven't even got a website. Yeah. That's, that's usually yeah. Oh, a bad yeah. sign. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, or a Facebook page or anything like that. But um, yeah, if I can't find any conclusive proof on that, that yeah. the people who are running a gig there know what they're doing, then I won't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I put a post about this on uh, a forum recently, and um, surprised I missed that. I get most of your posts. Yeah, yeah. On the Comedy Collective, I I I suggested that anyone who didn't mention in their gig advertisement if the gig was in a separate function room or not Mm. uh, should be banned. Uh, (laughs) No, I don't think I went that far. I think I said that the post should be deleted. Okay. Um, And uh, did it go down well? I was expect I was hoping for more drama than I actually got. Oh. Actually, like you know, when you're really in the mood to stir some shit. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was thinking, oh, I really hope someone flies off the handle about this. And it actually, um, didn't really happen. They were pretty reasonable. Well, what happened was most people just co-opted the 
Fred to start talking about their own gripes about <laughs> ad, uh, gig adverts, you know, saying like, well, they should mention if it's got budget as well, and blah, 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 blah. And it's going like, can you focus on the topic at hand, <laughs> This is my get, shit story. Get your own Fred. This is my shit story. Um, but yeah, I, there was only one response that remotely seemed to be disagreeing with the premise. Uh, someone saying that um, British comics were picky. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I uh, I tried to engage them to unpack that a little bit, and yeah. they didn't respond. Oh, so, that's um, always good. Yeah, that was a waste of a Thursday. <laughs> but, um, <sighs> I don't know. I mean, there are probably some people listening to this thinking that is a bit picky, but the fact of the matter is, like, there aren't that many pro gigs that would run in an environment like that. No. Um, there are some that would run in like corporate gigs, for example. Yeah. Where often um, people at those can be very sort of like territorial. Yeah. In a way, and they're all just kind of chatting, you know, just chatting amongst themselves, and then yeah. like you know, Tom O'Connor comes on or something. Yeah. And, and they're just kind of like, oh, what's this guy? You know, fuck oh. this guy. <laughs> uh, and they just chat, chat over it. And um, there's those kind of environments where everyone knows each other really well. You yeah. Know, in, work, in work groups, what you tend to find is they really like the in jokes. Yeah. Um, and if the comedian fails to tap into that, then they inevitably start to make their own and yeah. just laugh amongst themselves. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out that laughter doesn't count to your overall total. Oh, no, it doesn't. As a no. comedian, like no. when you get your, your card in at the end of the gig, your stamp card, mm-hmm. um, those laughs can't be declared. Oh, shit. oh that's <laughs> so. So yeah, any any individual groups who had their own jokes, that's uh, that's them. In the that's a write off. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I think it's good when you first start out in comedy to um to try harder groups. Yeah. You know, to see what you can actually do. Yeah. In the because. Sometimes changing your style just a little bit can make the world a difference. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're someone who's a bit low status and your delivery is a bit measured, uh, if you're then thrust into an environment where you're in the middle of like some pub uh, where half the people in there have just kind of gone next as they're local, yeah. weren't expecting you know someone to be burying their soul in the corner. Yeah. Um, might be that all you need to do to connect is actually just forget that more theatrical delivery that you've got and just say, right, look, I'm going to be a, a person for a yeah. bit. You know, I'm going yeah. to try and do this more like we're just having a chat. Yeah. And that might be enough. Yeah. Or it might be a good time for you to have your um, your comedy breakdown <laughs> where you, you jump on a chair and just start shouting at everyone in order to get people because not all people are threatening in that, uh, in, in that situation. Some people do uh, comic um, manicness mm. really well, but you don't know if you don't try. Um, so gigs like that can kind of push alternative solutions out of you. Yeah. Just you've got to be willing to kind of find it. Mm. But beyond a certain point, I think, there's a huge amount of point doing gigs like that because yeah. you won't really get much benefit from it. No. So I don't know we're a bit pushed for time because the guys said that we are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we could find somewhere else to go to. Uh, I've got to be. I've got to go. I've got to be somewhere else. Oh, well, yeah, okay. But let's talk about the let's talk about the young ones a little bit. 
So, well, hang on. He's just going straight into Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd love to. What would you like to know about the young So, ones? I just want to know why it was, why it's an important sitcom for you. Because <sighs> I've not actually seen much of it. Oh, you're missing a treat. I know. And so, there's only two series of it. I know, so I know, I know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, so the young ones, I actually... So the young ones is slightly before my time in that, like, it was, like, 1981, 82, I think. Yeah. And uh, I was born in 86. Okay. Um, so the first one I discovered was actually Bottom, uh, which is which is a good sitcom in yeah. itself. But um, The Young Ones, I think, was the one that really made me realise what television was capable of. Okay. Um I think it's infuriating that we don't really have a current equivalent to it at the moment, like because what you got from the young ones, probably the only time this will happen where you had subsidised anarchy. Yeah. Basically, um, you, the scale of what they did was entirely uh, alternative comedy. Yeah. But they had a BBC variety-sized budget. Mm. I don't know what it will take to ever get something with that kind of luxury ever again. Maybe yeah. it won't happen, and that's it fine. It might not. The last thing I think we really had in that ilk was, say, Brass Eye. Yeah. Okay. Think, where someone was basically given like a blank check and, um, and, and license to, yeah, just put everything you want together in whatever format that you like. Um, and it's probably its first sort of like. One of the first examples of how if you leave comedians and artists to their own devices, the results can be quite spectacular. Mm. Um, which is something that we don't have at the moment. Like, no. there's a, it's a very much more hands-on the current climate in terms of like the way people make shows. Mm. Um, and I think it's producers aren't comedians. Generally speaking, well, they don't have to be. No, but they, they have to have an idea of what is good about what a comedian does. Yeah. Um, and the thing that we've lost at the moment, I think, in the current TV climate, this sort of links with animation a little bit. What I was saying about yeah. that, but um, uh, surrealism definitely seems to be a bit out of fashion. Yeah. At the moment. In television, partly because I think you know it does require more of a budget, partly because it doesn't necessarily cater to certain demographics, mm. but uh, or it, it assumes that it doesn't effectively. Yeah. But the young ones had uh, a superb line in surrealism, I think, yeah. like, um, uh, and some of it is was kind of like based in quite basic pun smithery as well. Yeah. Like, you know, like uh, there's a, there's a scene where the sun comes up. <laughs> And for no reason, the sun just shatters in half. And Neil just says, morning is broken. <laughs> and, um, and it's just a completely stupid gag. But the fact about it is it's not, there's nothing inherently that challenging yeah. about a gag like that. You know, it's, it's, it's a pun, plain yeah. and simple. But something about the context of it makes it seem very otherworldly. Um, if you were to remake it or bring it back, how would you do it? Um, I wouldn't remake it. 
I think someone needs to put their foot down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I um. I think the spirit of it is what needs to be kept alive, not the show itself. Okay. Um, I mean, because the show itself is about four students, effectively, yeah. and they're all students of like different sort of socio-political backgrounds, and that you know you've got Vivian, who is the kind of like uh, punk, yeah, uh, who has a pen punch off for reckless, you know, um, mindless violence. Yeah. Uh, you got Rick, the um, anarchist poet, who's actually a lot more Tory than he seems to think he is. <laughs> Um, then you know Neil the hippie, mm. and uh, and then Mike, who is a real kind of anomaly in the house. But Mike, I think, is actually one of the best characters in a way. Mm. Uh, a lot of people would disagree with that, but um, there's this air of mystery about him that means he's this kind of higher status character in the household. He holds everything together, but he isn't really as well. It's not as obvious from looking at him compared to the other three mm. what his shtick is. But that's what's kind of cool about it. Yeah. Like, I think it's. I think it would be nice to have shows that have characters with that sort of mystery to them as well. Mm-hmm. But I think in a way you can only do it if you've got a dynamic where certain characters are well defined enough. Yeah. That you've got easy archetypes to latch onto, and then there's someone who doesn't fall into any of those, and they're more of a blank canvas. Mm. Okay, yeah. that's, I absolutely agree. Do you? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> Were you surprised by that? Though? I was like, no, it's like, this is, that was, yeah, that was a perfect analogy. Because like, people, I've heard arguments from people recently, in, in recent years, you know, who, who harken back to things like the young ones, and I feel they do it for the wrong reasons, in a way. Like, I mean, people go on about the way that it was politically incorrect, um, as if that's the only thing about the it. only justifying thing about it. I mean, yes, it was politically incorrect, but it was um, the targets then were different. Yeah, you know, it was very anti-establishment in its political incorrectness. Yeah, and when people talk about political correctness now, it's it's kind of the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's from a, a kind of assumed straw man establishment that's yeah. telling them, "Oh, you can't say this, you can't say that," yeah, yeah. even though actually, if you look at where that, that stuff's coming from. You can say, um, yeah. They're very much on the, the yeah. same page as yeah. Um But um, th- that's not the only thing, good thing about the young ones. That uh, To me, it's like the notion of structure behind the show, the fact that there wasn't really much of a structure. Um, they do, they tell kind of stories yeah. in the shows, but not they're not typical stories in any way, shape or form. Some episodes just end. Like, you know, it's just we wrote up to 30 minutes and then just stops. You know, some some episode of nothing happened whatsoever. Like, there's an episode called Boring, where the four housemates just bored for 30 minutes and for the entire length of the episode. And, um, obviously, it's very engaging. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they're not, they're not just sitting around doing nothing, they're, but they're, they're, things do kind of happen. Um, they, uh, they go to the pub at one point and madness are playing in the pub. Yeah. And Vivian's mum is there um, okay. serving drinks and stuff like that. And so there are individual scenes that kind of happen. Um, and external characters come in. There's the notorious racist policeman sketch happens in that episode, I think. Oh, I might be wrong. That might be in another episode. That's another problem with the show is that like there's because of the way the narrative is structured, it's, it's, it's often hard to, rem- hard to remember what scenes come from each episode. Mm. 
I tried to watch it in preparation for this, but my new laptop has no DVD player functionality. Oh, I, I got really annoyed when that happened on my laptop as well, so I had to go and buy myself a new Blu-ray player. Well. It said on the app, like uh, on the App Store for um, Windows or whatever, like uh, you know, four ninety-nine for a DVD player. So fuck off, mate! I'm not <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, so there's things like you know the structure. There's things like the way that all these ex, ex um, what's the fucking word extracurricular, not extracurricular, but like sub. You know when you've got a character who's not a main character. Yeah, a a secondary character. Something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's loads of kind of like one-time characters in yeah. the show, like when the. Like when Dawn French comes in as the Easter Bunny in one episode <laughs> for, for no reason whatsoever. Because um, and, and as all the housemates point out, not even Easter. <laughs> and she just leaves in a kind of like, in a grump. Oh. Um, <laughs> or, um, or when um, when these two guys are trying to get into the young one's house party and they, because um, Neil won't let them in because he's, he's had a hit from the bomb and he turns into this kind of like steam machine that frightens them off. <laughs> so they crawl, they climb up on top of the house and they try to get in through the chimney and they find a, 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 a chimney sweep boy from the 19th century <laughs> stuck in there and they end up having a fight with him because he won't let them down the chimney. Oh, um, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, weird. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing, like, secondary characters... I think are always really good when you feel like they've got their own world yeah. that you're not party to. Yeah. It's a problem I think so many secondary characters have in more modern shows is that people don't seem to write with that kind of idea in mind. You know, they don't seem to think like what would this character's reality be outside of it. The character exists in aid of your main characters. Mm. And I think there's something disappointing about that. I like the idea of a, a sort of a fully fleshed out world, but you only get to see part of it. Yeah, that's yeah. I like I like that idea. Yeah, but that's why I think there's so much in the young ones. You know, there's all these kind of the way that all these different ways they play with expectations of narrative and character, and that and it's just it's there's so much more to it than just this notion of um, what they stood for politically. Mm. I think aesthetic aesthetically. It's just for a lot as well. Yeah. I'm going to actually... It's on Netflix now, isn't it? I guess it is. Or... I'm not sure I don't have Netflix, but... Oh, um, okay. I've got the DVDs if you want to borrow them. But... Oh, I'll probably buy them, actually. I'll probably buy them. Oh, you can buy them? Yeah, I, I, I they're like, probably quite cheap now. Because but... I'm now, like, starting to build up a little collection of uh, BBC-ish sit- of new and old sitcoms. So I've got Black Adder. Mm. I've got... Um, uh, this was on BBC Three. This was on BBC, but I've got the Sean Lock sitcom uh, that's uh, fifteen stories. Uh, fifteen stories high. higher. Yeah. yeah, that's another. I mean, uh, fifteen stories high. I think has some similarities to the young ones yeah. in the regard. Like, I mean, in that it's it's a show that seems to revel in grime. Yeah, effectively, it's a it's it's a particularly downtrodden kind of atmosphere. Yeah. But no one seems to be that downtrodden within it. Yeah, is the thing. Like everyone's got their own sort of levels of optimism mm. coursing through it. But also, that's another show that has a lot of uh, secondary characters yeah. in it. There's loads of cutaways in Fifteen Stories High of um, like uh, you know, a row between uh, this this couple who are um, setting up a birthday party for their kids, 
and the guy just keeps rowing at her while sucking in helium from the moon. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, um, China, it's been a while since I've seen 50 stories high, but uh, or Mark, uh, Mark Lamar's got a great turn yeah. where he plays a uh, street performer, like one of those statues, mm-hmm. and he's, he ends up um, uh, in court because of uh, assaulting a fellow street performer. Um, <laughs> It's become quite relevant, actually. There's a recent news stories that featured him. But, uh, what, what, Mark Lamar? Oh no, he was um, he was uh, in the news like a year or two ago for like a story of entrapment. But he was thrown out. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Well, on that note, I think we've got. You can edit that bit out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, oh, I don't want to end on like some sort of Mark Lamar game. Yeah. Fuck it. Oh, but here's a list of everyone else in comedy who has wronged people. I... <laughs> and if, if you don't hear anything after this, it's because he's definitely cut out leaving. Yeah. <laughs> so, where can people find you, man? Where can people find me? Um, I am working on a show at the moment called How to Get Up in the Morning. Nice. Um, it's a show about how to get up in the morning, cool. um, which I think we all need some help doing every now and then. And... Um, uh, I will be performing that. Oh well, I, I've forgotten my pin number for my uh, for my phone, so okay. I cannot <laughs> I cannot get into my calendar. This is like that. This is like that interview where Jeremy Corbyn is fumbling with his iPad. Um, <laughs> I love this, by the way. Like most people don't come prepared with a list of things, so this is brilliant. Thank you. This I only I've only come prepared for this one because well, I wasn't really that prepared, like. But um, I've I've done podcasts previously where they they asked me about the plug at the end because yeah. everyone does the podcast with the yeah. plug yeah. and I forgot to plug uh, or I made some weird sort of like just fine I, I, just, had a, I just had a mini breakdown <laughs> after the plug and people were kind of like well good job I don't know where to find him because I don't want to watch that um, 21st of uh, when does this podcast come out couple of weeks time okay forget that then um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, if all else fails, I will be uh, performing my show at the Camden Fringe on the 13th and 14th of August. Nice. That will be at the Museum of Comedy. Oh, wonderful. Yep. Uh, where can I find you on social media? Uh, Ian Avenue Lane. That's on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Nice. In order of preference. So, yeah. Um, Facebook, Twitter, uh, yeah, all, all gigs I will advertise on there. I often with very nicely choreographed PowerPoint presentations. That's true. So, um, uh, yeah, if you like, if you like watching text fly around the screen, yeah, um, to Electro, then uh, I'm your man. Right, and I will say, if you don't see Ian Lane, you're missing an absolute treat. So go find the big series out. Thank you, man. Thanks Thank for you. Thank you very much for having me. We'll do the handshake. Yeah, then on the scene.